This podcast is presented by Pastor Greg Wheat and Christian Life Church in Lexington and Purcell, Oklahoma. For more information, visit ChristianLifeOK.com. Well, welcome to our new sermon series that we're starting this month. Uh, Turn to someone and say, Flossum. Flossum, okay. Now, it's kind of a weird word. It is. It's kind of two words combined, flawed and awesome. And when you put those two words together, you get flossum. But really, that's what we all are. We have flaws in our life, right? But if we can get past those flaws, God can use us in a great way to really live an awesome life. And can I just tell you, God wants to use you. God wants to use me. God wants to use all of us in spite of our flaws. And, and how many of you realize you have a few flaws? Let me see your hand. For the rest of you, you need to really look in the mirror. Okay? We all have flaws. We do. You know? And, and here's the thing. God knows that. God knows that as a, a teenager, you've got some flaws in your life that he wants to help you with through and, and help you with. And as a college student, you've got some flaws in your life. Amen that God knows that are there, and he wants to help you work through. But as adults, we're not off the hook. We've got flaws in our life, okay? We do. We have flaws, little things in our life, little burrs in our life that need, you know, sanded down, and and these flaws are there, and God sees them. And can I tell you, if you look in the Word of God, all through the Scripture, you're going to see examples of people who had flaws in their life, but God chose to use them in spite of their flaws. And the reason why he did is because they were willing to say, God, here I am. I have flaws in my life. Forgive me of these flaws. Help me through these flaws and and choose to use me. And he did. So that's what this series is really all about. Recognizing that we all have flaws, okay? That's where it all begins, that we need to recognize that we all have have flaws. And we don't like to look at our flaws, do we? We like to look at someone else's flaws because their flaws stand out a lot more than what our flaws do. Yes. And it's easy to spot the flaws in someone else's life, but it's hard to see and recognize the flaws in our own life. And we have to understand that we all have them. And if you were truly honest with yourself and you were truly honest with God, You would say, God, I know that this is a flaw in my life. It's a flaw in my life, and I need your help to help me get through it and past it so that I can be the best person that I can be for you and your glory. And God will use that heart and that attitude every time if we'll just humble ourselves to the point to say, God, here here I am, good, bad, and ugly. Help me get past these things that are not pleasing to you and that are stumbling blocks to me and those around me. So the whole series is really moving past our flaws and helping us become more awesome, okay? And so we all have things in our outward appearance that we'd like to change. How many of you would agree that there's something in your outward appearance that you would like to change? If you had the ability to change that one or two things I'm sure you could write it down and you know what it is. We all have those things. And here's a few of those things. Maybe your height. Maybe you've been teased your whole life that you were too short. And maybe it was just the opposite for you. Maybe you were teased that you're too tall. And so maybe a height thing is your your issue. You wish you were taller. Maybe you wish you were shorter. And, And maybe that's a big deal to you. Maybe 
Maybe it's a hair issue. For me, I know that's one of the things I'd like to change. When I was a young person, how many of you know what I'm talking about? When I was younger, I'm still young, but when I was younger, I had more hair than I have today. I mean, I look back at my my yearbook, and I look back at some pictures when I was a teenager. When Janelle and I were dating, man, I had you know I had that long flowing hair where you could feather it back on the sides, you know, and in the back, you know, it was down to my shoulders. I had the hair. I loved it. I had hair, and now I wish I could change that one thing. You know, I wish I had more hair. Maybe some of you feel the same way. You know, maybe you wish you had your old hair back, and maybe maybe you don't even remember what your hair color used to be, ladies. You know, you, you've tried to change. That's been an issue for you. And so you've always changed in your hair color, right? Because it's something, I wonder what it's like to be a redhead. I wonder if it's, what it's like to be a brunette. I wonder what it's like to be blonde. I wonder what it's like to be, have purple hair or green hair. Anything goes nowadays. So these are all things that people want to change in their appearance, their hair color, maybe their weight. You know, maybe you've, you've battled weight your whole life. And, and maybe for some of you, that's, you wished you were you were not as heavy, and maybe for some of you, you wish you were heavier because it goes the extreme opposite. There are plenty, plenty of people that are smaller that just have struggle, and they struggle to put on weight, right, Casey? It's a joke, Casey. You know, he's, anyway, let's move on. You know, some, so for whatever, whatever it is for you, I mean, maybe that, that is something in your appearance you'd like to change, and maybe it's your shape. You know, and, and maybe you'd like to change your shape, your body shape or something. And, and maybe you're, you're thin and you want to be bigger and muscular. And maybe if you're, you're bigger, you want to be smaller. And so we're all worried about these different things about our appearances and things we want to change in our appearance. And, and shape is one of them. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe you, you've, when I was a teenager, I didn't have a very good smile. So I always practiced in the mirror. I'm just telling you insight. Maybe you never knew that. But when I was young, I'd practice and I'd look at myself in the mirror and I'd practice my smile, how I wanted to, to look. And I've practiced different smiles, and you know you've done the same thing. You know, when you get out of the shower, and you're brushing your teeth, and you're, you're trying to smile, you do it, you know you do. So you, you, maybe you wanted to change your smile, or maybe you want to change something in, in your teeth, and maybe you want your teeth to look a certain way, and maybe you've wanted to whiten your teeth a little more, whatever it may be. Maybe it's your profile. Maybe you don't like your profile when you see your profile. There's all kinds of things that people want to change about their appearance. And, and if you don't believe me, listen to some of these statistics. Americans spend an average of $60 billion a year on weight loss because we want to change these things in our life, right? Americans spend $87 billion a year on health clubs. It's a lot of money just to get in shape and change our appearance and change something about us. And they spend $24 billion on skin care. They spend $38 billion billion dollars on hair care and hair care products. Yeah. They spend $11 billion on tooth whitening. 11, but just to have a pretty white smile. It's amazing how much money is spent, right? Just trying to change something that we don't like about ourselves or we want to make better. These little flaws that we see in ourselves there are $16 billion spent every year on cosmetic surgery because we want to change our appearance or change a flaw that we see in our lives. And there's $62 billion spent every year on makeup. And all the men said amen. <laughs> That's a good thing. It's a good thing, all right? So it's obvious 
that we have these outward flaws, right? It's obvious that we can see these outward flaws that we want to change, and it's obvious that we have a tendency to throw money at those flaws in an attempt to cover up what we consider to be an outward flaw that we want to make better in our lives. But, but let me ask you this. What about the flaws that people can't really see? Are you, are you with me? I'm talking about the, the flaws on the inside that we have that really make up who we are. These are the important flaws that we've really got to focus on. And what's amazing to me is that we'll spend money on the outward flaws to make us look better and be better, but we spend little or no time trying to recognize the inward flaws and making ourselves better on the inside. We focus on the outward, but very rarely do we focus on the inward. The inside of us is really who we are. It's not the outside that makes us who we are. It's the inside, what you are in your heart, what you are in your soul, what you are as a person inside you. That's who you really are. And we can, we can sugarcoat things and make our, our parents look well, and we can, we can do all these things in an attempt to get people to like us. And, but really, what counts is what is on the inside of you. And can I tell you, that's what God cares about the most, is what's on the inside of your heart. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. The Bible says to guard your heart because that's the wellspring of life. Whatever is in your heart is going to come out. Good, bad, or ugly, it's going to come out. People are going to see it. So really what's on the inside of you is where we really need to focus our attention to try to make better. Okay, So we've got to focus on that. More importantly, we have these inward flaws that many times we can't see or most of the time we refuse to see. Isn't that right? We can't see them, but more importantly, I think we just refuse to see them. We really know they're there, but we just like to look the other way. It's easy to spot in someone else's life, like I said, but we just overlook the ones in our own lives, and everybody else can just deal with it. You know what I mean? You don't like it, deal with it. And that's the way we live our lives, because it's who I am. You don't like me. Tough, right? And, and I understand that that's okay to, to somewhat be that way. We can't live our lives trying to please everybody else. I understand that, but we've got to live our lives that, in a way that pleases God. And when our, we live our lives with that attitude, then it begins to change our perspective. And when we begin to live our, live our lives in a way that pleases God, then then we'll be more pleasant to those around us. So it's important to see and recognize the flaws in our life, good, bad, or ugly. We've got to see them, recognize them, instead of refusing to see them. It's these inward flaws that we all have. Just listen to me this morning. It's these inward flaws that we all have. That's what's holding us back from becoming our best. Are you with me? Those inward flaws which we all have are what's really holding us back from becoming our very best and what God wants us to be. Because we refuse to see them, we refuse to recognize them, we we rationalize them because we say, well, I'm not so bad. You know, so-and-so's, they've got the flaws. And so their flaws are way worse than mine. So then I feel okay. And that's not making us better. We're just continuing to stay the same. Can I tell you, the minute you became a Christian, 
the minute you became a Christian should have been the minute that life change began to happen. Every day, life change should be happening in your life. Becoming more like Christ. A little more every day. It's a process. It's a journey that we're all on as Christians. That we should crucify the flesh and crucify the person that our flesh wants us to be and become more the person that God wants us to be. And so this life change should be happening in our lives. But the only way that life change happens is if we're honest with ourselves and we see that we have these flaws that need to be worked on. These flaws are what's holding us back from becoming our best and God's best. Good people, which all of us are good. We like to consider ourselves that, right? Well, it's a good person. They're good people, right? We all are good people. You know, can I just tell you this? Being good is not going to get you in heaven. It's a whole other sermon, but I thought I'd throw that out there. You can, be good, you can be as good as you want, but there's only one way to get to heaven. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ to get into heaven. That's a prerequisite. But in the same sense, we like to say, well, if, that's, if, if being good is not going to get me in heaven, why, why bother? Right? You can't take that attitude either. We should be becoming more like Christ every day. And even though we're good, good people can become even better. But we usually don't. Why is that? Part of the problem is that we're unaware or we just don't care. That could be a little song. Maybe it is. We're unaware. We just don't care about the self and self-improvements that we need to make in order to get from good to great, to move past our flaws into being awesome. And all of us have that potential if we're willing to address these things in our life. For example, think about someone that you know very well. Okay? I'm not going to tell you who that person is. Think of at least one person, maybe two, that you know really, really well. Okay, Now imagine that person that you know really, really well, that they no longer exhibit the two negative traits that are seemingly obvious to everyone but them. Think about that. Think about that person or a few people, maybe a coworker. Think, man, that person would really be awesome if they didn't have those two traits in their life. It just rubs everybody the wrong way. Think about how great they could be, how awesome they could be, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's a spouse. I don't know. Think about that one person, those two people, those few people in your life that that if they exhibited those two traits no longer, think about how awesome they would be, how much closer they would be to greatness instead of just being good, right? The thing is, that can be said about all of us because we all have those, as I've already said, negative traits in our life that we can move from just being good and average to great. We can can move from being always seen as flawed to awesome if we're just willing to address them and move past them. So think about that for a minute. How much closer would that person be to being really a great person, a great leader, if they could just get past that flaw? Instead of just being good or average, they could be completely awesome. Think about this. Sports 
is all about this, making their athletes be the best they can be. And sports psychologists often will help athletes in a very unique way by only changing one or maybe two thoughts that they have about their athletic ability, maybe changing one or two little behaviors about their athletic ability, which ends up now leading them to achieving their great goals. But they had to be willing to address those few traits that are being the roadblocks to helping them reach their great goals. Does that make sense? And I'll just tell you this. You know, I'm not the greatest at it, but I like powerlifting. I always did when I was in high school. And, and now that I'm an older guy, it's a little harder, right? I'm not 16 anymore. I'm not 18 anymore, but I'm still plugging away at it, trying to be my best, right? And so I was, I was in the gym, and I had contacted this person that, that oversees this organization that I lift with. And he set national world records and You know, he lives here in the area, and he said, you know, I'll meet you at your gym. So he met me at the gym, and he watched some of my technique, and he watched some of my attitude. Man, when I was in high school, I was an animal. I'd eat, sleep, and drink it, right? Give me some weight. Give me some more weight. I'll do this, right? Now I'm like, eh, you know, if I do it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. You know, I don't really care as much. But he addressed that. He said, you're not even into it. Like, what do you mean? He goes, You've got this weight on that deadlift bar, and, and you kind of have this attitude that you just don't even care. And like, well, I kind of don't. He goes, well, then you're never going to move that weight off the ground because we put a lot of weight on there. And he said, the next thing is you've got to change your attitude, but I'm gonna see your, I want to see your form. So he began to watch my form, and he goes, it's all wrong. So what do you mean it's all wrong? Right? Is that the first thing we do when we start noticing there's little flaws that can be tweaked? What do you mean it's all wrong? I'm an expert. You know, I've been doing this for how long? Ever since I was like in the seventh grade, I've been a power lifter. I've been lifting weights. So you're telling me what I'm doing is all wrong. It was hard for me to swallow, right? But he said, well, you either choose to listen to me or you choose not to. It's up to you. I'm just here as a world record holder trying to help you. But it's your choice. And I chose to listen to him. It was difficult. It was like weird. I'm changing my form all up. I'm changing my grip all up, changing my attitude, trying to get back to mean, nasty attitude, you know. You got to have when you're lifting weights. And so sure enough, I reached down, I grabbed the bar, I pulled it up, and he goes, see there? So he was willing to help me change just a couple of things to help me move from good to great. Are you with me? Think about that practice in your personal life, in these these things inside you that, that you're a good person, but how much better could we be if we just work on these few little flaws and be willing to address them? Think about how great and awesome we could be. All right, so here's the thing we need to understand. Psychologists say that 2% of our negative traits can undermine the other 98% of our good traits. Think about that. You can be 98% great, but the 2% of the negative traits in our lives can undermine all the good that's there. But that's where we typically live our lives because we're satisfied. Eh, it's okay. Living a pretty good life. I, get, I have a few friends. Think about the ones that you're not friends with. Why aren't you friends with them? Because they probably don't like you. Why do they not like you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because maybe there's a few things in your life that, Just like, I don't like being around that person because this or this or this. 
And it's not about pleasing everybody. That's not what this is about. It's about bettering ourselves, being more godlike. Okay, so that 2%, the 2% of the negative traits can undermine the 98% of our good traits. Basically, let me just explain it to you this way. A train load of good traits, which we all have. There's not anybody here that doesn't have a train load of good traits in their life. I look out and think, good, you're full of good, you're full of good, I'm full of good. We all have this train load of good traits in our life can be derailed by just a few bad traits. And we miss the mark. We're derailed. How many times have you said to yourself, I really like X person. I really like that person, except for this and this, right? It's obvious to you, but for whatever reason, it's not obvious to them, or they refuse to see it in their lives. That one thing, or those two things, has blocked them from becoming better, has blocked them from forming deeper relationships and becoming a better person. It's blocked them from becoming a better parent. It's blocked them from becoming a better spouse. It's blocked them from becoming a better son or daughter or a sibling, a family member, a friend, a boss, a coworker, an employee, a teacher, a coach. You see, we, we all fall in these categories because we're unwilling to see those one or two things in our life that need worked on to make us t- to go from good to great, from flawed to awesome. And the same thing goes in our Christian life. We satisfy, we're satisfied, we settle. We know we should be doing this and this and working on this, but we don't. And so it keeps us from reaching greatness and being closer to God. So the question is this, are you willing to look in the mirror? Because that's what this really series is all about, looking in the mirror to do some deep reflecting of our lives. Life change can happen if we're willing to reflect and see in the mirror what needs to change in our personal lives. So are you willing to look in the mirror? Are you willing to do that? Because if these unchecked personality thorns that we all have aren't changed, they can have catastrophic consequences in our life, in our relationships, in our careers. We don't see it that way. We like to just lift up the rug and brush it under there, right, and cover it back up. But it's the truth. These these unchecked personality thorns are in all of our lives. We've got to be willing to do something about it so that we can go to the next level. They'll kill your ability to grow if you don't do something about them. You'll continue to stay at the same old place. And for some of you, you're like, hmm, I kind of like where I'm at. But it will continue to kill your ability to grow past where you're at. We should never be satisfied. Remember what I said a few minutes ago? That the minute you became a Christian, what? There should be life change happening every day. You should be willing to crucify the flesh more and more every day so that you can become more like Christ every day. Little by little. And it's an ongoing process, but you've got to be willing to do it. So if you don't, these personality thorns will keep you and kill your ability to grow and keep you from from growing and, and relating to people and building deeper relationships with those around you, those that you really care about. 
or even be promoted. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Well, it's not me. It's them. You know, my boss just doesn't recognize how good I am. You know, it's everybody else holding me down. You know, really? It's because we're not willing to look at these personality thorns that maybe that's the reason why. If for some reason, something that you're not willing to look at or recognize or see that could be holding you back. You know, have you ever had a conversation with your boss to say, you know, can you just help me understand? What do I need to change in order to get from here to there? But you better buckle up. Because I'm sure they're going to tell you what that is. And you got to be willing to address those things. But those are the things, until we're willing to address them, are going to hold us back from being the best we can be in the areas that we want to be good in, in all these areas of our life. As Christians, life change should be taking place each and every day in each and every one of us. Our goal is to become more like Christ and less like the world every day. That's what should, our goal should be. But many of us come to church and we, we say amen and praise the Lord. We raise our hand and worship. It's kind of like mechanical robots. Worship God. Time to pray. How many have a need? Have a need. You know, it's like we do this, we go through the mechanics, and that's not what God wants. He wants to, he wants to have a tender heart and you reaching out to him. And we should be coming more like him and less like the world every day. But it seems like we, we get used to the world and their attitude and those around us, and we absorb that more than we absorb the things of God and let him change our lives. And so it's a real struggle for all of us. How many would say amen to that? I'll say Amen. I agree, it's a real struggle for all of us. Paul said this, I don't understand it. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I want to do, that I know are pleasing to God, I just can't seem to do it. How many of you would say that really represents your life, you know? I mean, I really want to be better. I really want to change this and that in my life, but I want to, but I never seem to be able to do it. It's just a struggle. The world sucks you in, and then you start comparing yourself to your worldly friends, and you're like, well, I'm not so bad. And that's where we get in trouble. You can't compare yourself to the world. You need to compare yourself to God's standard. That will let you know where you're at and how much work you need to do in your life. So Paul realized this. He had work to do in his life, and we can all relate to that. One of the flaws that many of us have to fight against and others have to deal with, and this is where we're going to start getting into the meat of this topic this morning is conceit. Conceit. Have you ever stopped to think about what conceit is? What is conceit? Have you, have you thought to yourself, what is conceit? Look it up. Conceit is exaggerated views of oneself and ability. That's conceit. Now, well, the first thing we, we look at somebody is, you think, well, they're conceited. You know, they're, they're high and mighty. They have a a higher view of themselves. They think they're better than me, you know, or they're arrogant, you know, and those are all kind of related as well. But conceit is an exaggerated when you get to the root. Like when you see the tree, you see the tree, but what is the, the source of the life in the tree is the root. That's where what makes the tree what it is. And when you really get to the bottom of what conceit is, it's exaggerated view of oneself and ability. All right? And so another word for Conceit is something that's really a bad word, and most of us aren't going to like to hear it. And I'm not saying anybody here has this in their life. I'm just saying if we're going to move from the flaws in our life to awesome, then this is something that a lot of people battle, okay? 
a lot of people, maybe, maybe not you, but maybe someone you know, maybe, maybe someone at your college campus, maybe a professor, maybe a boss or a teacher, a coworker, someone in your family, or maybe you. Another word for conceit is narcissism. A narcissist. That's an ugly word, but many people don't know what it is, right? It's an ugly word, and here's some characteristics of it. I encourage you to jot it down. Don't go home and go, you're a narcissist. I wouldn't recommend that. Leave that up to God. But this is just one of the many topics and flaws that we've got to move past that we're going to be talking about in the next several weeks. So here's some characteristics. Are you ready? They have a confident, somewhat charismatic personality that many people are drawn to. They're a little sensitive, though, when it comes to opposing opinions. Let me just read this to you. This is amazing. A varying opinion is perceived as a criticism that threatens their authority. They will often react harshly and haughtily to anybody who dares to speak something contrasting to what they've spoken. Therefore, this will not be tolerated for an instant. As a narcissist, they are always right. In their own mind, they will judge anybody in opposing in opposition to them immediately as being inferior to them and therefore deserving of all of their rage and retribution for daring to speak something different. Whether the threat is real or whether it's just imagined, Their aggressive stance will retaliate until the opposition backs down. You see, the narcissist often has a hard time with someone who asserts authority. Why is that? Because they view themselves as the authority, right? I'm the authority. You're nothing, peasant. But I'm exaggerating, but this is kind of how the narcissist thinks in their mind. Yes, amen. Because they view themselves as the authority. And listen, they can be the greatest leader in the world, but think about how even greater they could be if they were willing to look at this and say, God, help me through this. This often gives the impression that they don't consider someone else's opinion because their opinion is better. In their world, they're always right, even though they're not, right? Let me just tell you this. When you're dealing with someone like this, you will never win a discussion. You will never win a debate. You will never win an argument. Why is that? Because they rarely are going to agree with you, period. They've decided that their way is the best way, even if it's not. This is the way they think. For whatever reason, this is the way they've been raised. It's in their blood. It's in their DNA. And when you deal with someone like that, what do you do? It's their way or the highway, right? You can saddle up or just get off the horse. Which makes it hard for them to see others and their point of view or the validity of their perspective because they just can't get their, their mind or their eyes off the point that there is another viewpoint other than mine. There is another way that's the right way. There is another direction that we could go, even though mine's right. 
Empathy is almost impossible for them. Why is that? Think about empathy. What is empathy? Where you, you put yourself in someone else's shoes. Like, you know, I feel sorry for that person. I mean, I know they're struggling. It hurts. And empathy is hard for them and almost impossible because they mainly see things from their perspective. They never take a second to put themselves in someone else's shoes. They're headstrong. They're not easily restrained. And you might even say they're just stubborn. Like a donkey. Or a, another word that's in the Bible. Anybody know what it is? Okay, I won't go there then. So make sure. If you know what it is, I won't need to say it. They dismiss and minimize their faults. Why do they do that? Why does a narcissist do that? Why do they, they dismiss and minimize their faults? Because, they number one, they don't see them. And they often make you feel that the problem belongs with you and not them. You got a problem. It's not me. It's you. That's way, the way they see things. Okay? They have a take me or leave me attitude. You can take it or leave it. It's up to you. I don't care. No skin off my nose because they have no empathy for how you feel. You don't like it? I don't want to tell you. You can either take me, leave me. I don't really care. Right? If you don't like it, it's not my problem. That's the attitude they have. Their attitude can be hurtful to those around them, but they don't see that because they're a narcissist. Okay? And maybe you can think of somebody in your life that's this way, or maybe you can see some of these attributes in your life. I don't know. Regardless, it's one of those things that that inside that we've got to begin to change in order for us to achieve what God wants us to achieve in our life. Think about how much better our lives can be going from good to great, from flawed to awesome. And if you feel like your life is great and you're a good person, this thing how much better you can be if you're willing to address these things. Their attitude can be hurtful and damaging to a relationship to the point where the other person feels like they can do nothing right. Why bother? Why try? Studies show this. Let me read this to you. People, where does it come from? People who have these tendencies are usually compensating for their younger years of feeling shame or feeling that they've disappointed somebody. There is pain associated with this, so they refuse to acknowledge it. Instead, they bury it. Instead, they assert control because they don't like the feeling of not being in control of their feelings. That's where it stems from. It's really just a coping mechanism. Like, we all have to learn to cope in life, right? And a lot of times we try to do this on our own. Therefore, we get into this shape. We get into these problems because we're trying to do it on our own. Yes, you've got to pull up your boots. And yes, you've got to live life. And yes, you've got to be strong. And yes, you've got to learn to cope with the issues in life that are difficult. But most of us try it completely on our own and leave God out of the picture. And therefore, we really don't change. Life change isn't really happening. We're just maintaining True life change is going to come when you invite God into the process. And not just a quick prayer like, hey, hey, God, you know, listen. You know, got this problem and it's, you know, everybody else thinks it's a big deal. I don't think it's such a big deal at all. You can't approach God that way. You got to be able to say, God, here it is. I mean, it's ugly. I know this is in my life and I need your help to get past it. I need your help to get through it. That's when life change can begin to happen, when you can say that kind of prayer every day. And then begin to willing to work on it. 
So it's a coping mechanism so that they don't feel vulnerable. So what's the answer? Bottom line, what's the answer? If, if you feel this way, you have these tendencies, you know somebody that has these tendencies, what's the answer? As I've really already said it. The answer is this. Recognize it. Because it's one of those little burrs in your life, a little, a little burr inside that's just keeping you from being your best. Can God use you? Yes. Is life over if you have a flaw in your life? No. But just think about how much better your relationships could be. Think about how much better your life could be. Think about how much better things could be in your life if you're willing to make these adjustments with God's help. That's really the point of this whole series. God, help me to make these adjustments. I don't like to see it. I don't even like talking about it. But, man, God, there's some adjustments I need to make. So in order to go from flawed to awesome and become flossom, a person with these tendencies has to be willing to look in the mirror. That's where it starts. Recognize the tendencies. Then they have to be willing to say, God, I repent. We don't like that word either. It's something we don't talk about a lot, right? Because you're fine, I'm fine, we're all fine, right? We're all a work in progress, so who cares, right? It's no big deal. I'm living my life. True life change will never take place. Even though what I said is true, you've got to be willing to address it. You've got to be willing to say, God, I repent. Repent. I repent, God. I'm sorry. It grieves my heart because I know it grieves your heart. Ask for his forgiveness. Then ask for his help. God, help me not to be like this. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. And ask for forgiveness from those around you, maybe that if you had those tendencies that you've hurt. Surrender to God is the biggest point. He can use you in even greater ways that you're being used now for his glory. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says this, wise, a wise person listens and is yet wiser. See, the narcissist doesn't like to listen to wise counsel because they have all, they're all knowing. They're like God. I mean, God and the narcissist are like together. I mean, that's how they see, I mean, here's God, here's me. I mean, get the picture? That's not what God wants us to do. Proverbs 1, 5 says a wise person will listen and become wiser. Proverbs 15, 22 says, get all the advice you can and you will succeed. Without it, you're going to fail. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, no one should have a high opinion of themselves, higher than they should, basically. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That, you see, he's painting a picture. That's where our heart should be. We should be humble-hearted, saying, God, here I am. Help me to be the best I can be. Help me to recognize these things and move past these things. Can I tell you this? God loves all of us and can use all of us in spite of our flaws if we come to the point and say, here they are, God. And before he can use you, he has to be able to work in you, he has to be able to work with you, and he has to be able to work through you. So the question is this morning, are you willing to take an internal look at yourself to say, God, here it is. Good, bad, and the ugly. I want to get past these flaws. And maybe you're dealing with someone in your life that has those tendencies. What about you? What do you do? 
you need to pray and seek God that he help you and how you react to those around you that may have those tendencies. You need to pray for them that God would just begin to soften their heart and show them the light and show them the way. With God, all things are possible. That's where faith comes in. So never give up hope that it's too late for you to change. Never give up hope that it's too late for someone to change because with God, all things are possible. That's where faith kicks in and that's where God can move in your life and on your behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. God, you want to help us move from the flaws in our life to becoming more awesome. God, you want to help us recognize the flaws in our life so that we can get past them and move from good to great. God, you can use each and every one of us, but you can use us in an even greater way if we're willing to move past these things that hold us back in our personal life with you, in our personal lives, in our relationships with others, in our daily walk. Lord, I pray that you give conviction right now to our hearts. And I pray that you give hope to our hearts. Let us have determination and faith to realize that with you, we can do all things. And nothing is too difficult for you. God, we surrender this morning. Fill us with your presence. and Help us to move past these flaws in our life. Help us to pray and help those around us that may have these tendencies. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Glad you're here. Plan on being here uh, next Sunday as well. Bring someone with you.